This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason Mann. And with me as usual, never a second rounder in my heart, Aww, Rich Craig. Thank Rich, you. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's your it. show, too. I don't, know, I, I don't know I'm welcoming you because it's your show. I, mean, we, <laughs> I just happened to do the introduction, but it's both of our shows. So I, but I, I did, and we're just going to move on from that. Yeah, well, to be fair, you have done more solo shows without me. So in a way, um, you, you sort of. You took ownership for a little while there, but uh, I, maybe uh, maybe this summer, while you're a little bit busy, I can I can reclaim the uh, the throne that you know. Yeah, are, you are we so desperately want the, the throne, the coveted throne of the host of the Overback Podcast? But absolutely, but thank you. absolutely. Well, you know, maybe you've been good so far, so you know, maybe I'll just relinquish it. I don't know. Do you need to conquer me? Is that that sounds? Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm not sure. That doesn't sound great. Yeah. No, please do not conquer me. That, would, that does not sound pleasant. Enough, but all right, well, I'm anyway, done, Jason. Um, That's about it. I think we've uh, we've talked about all we need show. to talk about today. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we are talking about the best non-first round picks in uh, NBA history, really the last forty years. Because if you think about the NBA draft, that's really where the size of the draft is large enough, and the league is aligned, the rules are aligned in a way where it's a relatively you can kind of compare, you know, what's going on in the NBA draft now with 30 teams to 77 with uh, 22 teams. There wasn't the ABA, which was obviously taking talent and forcing things a little bit to be weird in the draft. And there's not the territorial rules that existed till the mid 60s. So um, so I, that's the most fair um, point of comparison. Although we're, we're going to mention a few that were notable as well, even before that time frame, before we really dig into what we what, what we researched. Yeah, but you really have to kind of for the purposes of what we're doing here. Yeah. It, it, it seems disingenuous to count like Willis Reed as like a non first round. I mean, yes, technically he was in the second round, but he was like, you know, the eighth overall pick in the draft because you have the territorial picks, which didn't necessarily count as like picks. And then you didn't have that many teams. So it, it just seems a little disingenuous to add a few of these guys like guys that are, you know, Hal Greer is another one. I think he was he was 11th or something like that. I, th- that's not like a diamond in the rough kind of guy. We're kind of looking more towards the guys that, you know, in anticipation of this year's draft guys that, you, you know, in the second round, you might find some value there. Some guys that you might find. 30 picks in, you know, 40 picks in, and in some cases, 60 picks in, uh, even where it, it seems just a little weird to pick like a guy that was like 11th and, and talk about him as like this diamond in the rough or, you know, a non first rounder. Yes, he is literally a non first rounder and technically he is, but in, in a sense, it just didn't feel right. So we it, throw it yeah, out. It's there. a little different. Yeah, it's different from being picked 35th overall that even considering, you know, the, obviously the the way the basketball world has expanded with a bigger talent pool and with obviously scouting and video and all that stuff way, way advanced from what it was, you know, 50, 45, 50 years ago. It's still, yeah, I, I, I think that limiting it to that time frame is probably the best mm-hmm. course of action. But with that said, a few notable ones before 77, uh, Bobby Dandridge with the 45th overall pick in 1969, helping spark that uh, Bucks dynasty along with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar more famously in that draft. Uh, Tiny Archibald, the 19th pick in 1970, I 
think he was the first pick of the second round. Um, Spencer Haywood, 30th overall in 71, and George McGinnis, 22nd in 1973. Both of those guys had you know made their claim to fame in the in, in the ABA, so uh, they, they were more picked at his technicalities rather than it's actually you know going to those teams. But nevertheless, uh, Gus Williams, 20th pick, 1975. He was a great uh, guard of the late 70s, early 80s. Of course, those Sonics teams and. So forth. World be free. The twenty third uh, pick in seventy five, helping the uh, uh, along with other guys, uh, George McGinnis, of course, uh, Julius Irving, and a lot of other guys uh, helping the turnaround for the seventy sixers. Uh, Dennis Johnson, twenty ninth overall in seventy six. It's kind of a strong one. He really came on pretty early, along with uh, Gus Williams. Was uh, you know that great mm-hmm. Sonics backcourt, and of course later with the Suns and the uh, more famous with the Celtics. And Alex English, twenty third overall pick in nineteen seventy six. Kind of bounced around a little bit with uh, the Pacers and the Bucks before ending up on the. Uh, nuggets and having a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, so some uh, some good names in there. I mean, uh, 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 you know, some Hall of Famers, some you know of the better scorers in NBA history. In the case of Alex English, so a lot of really good ones there. But yeah, so you can you still could get value even uh, even late in the picks. And, and that's something I do love about the older NBA drafts is that they went so many rounds. And like yeah, like half those dudes like would come to training camp and get cut immediately or whatever. But you know, you sometimes get uh, uh, down in the rough. Bob Dandridge was I think uh, fourth round at that point. We're forty five, and and that's that's significant to go four rounds deep before you get to. Bob Dandridge, who was you know an awesome player and a big part of of, of what made Milwaukee uh, go in the early seventies, uh, so uh, real cool stuff there. Yeah, just kind of see some guys that that, that popped up. Absolutely, yeah, um, yeah, and Dandridge, of course. Um, I mean, really should be Hall of Famer. I mean, it's uh, you compare Bobby Dandridge's career and James Worthy's career, and almost identical in in most respects. Uh, yet, you know, like Worthy's in the top fifty overall, and uh, Dandridge isn't even a Hall of Famer. And Dandridge should be. I mean, Worthy should be Hall of Famer, not top fifty, but should be Hall of Famer. Dandridge, sure. I think, definitely should be as well. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. There you go. So we'll have we'll have Curtis on for I think the third time to ever <laughs> like we have and we have talked about Bob Dandridge being and, and it still doesn't happen though. Like, come on, let's go. Like, yeah, we've been doing this podcast yeah, for how many years are, now? <laughs> like, we always say it. What? Are the Hall of Fame voters not listening to our podcast? I, uh, clearly, they are not. Apparently so that's, not. Uh, that's uh, that's mm. disappointing. Now, yeah. well, uh, so. Um, Another uh, one of those great Sixers players came along later on as they transitioned into uh, really the Irving-centric uh, team uh, in in 1980 and had that rivalry with the Celtics and the Lakers. Maurice Cheeks, uh, 36th overall in the 1978 draft. Uh, that year, uh, Michael Thompson was uh, first overall to Portland. Of course, Clay Thompson's dad. Uh, Larry Bird also selected that year, but he had another year of college eligibility, was basically drafted um, by the Celtics with the uh, feeling that they, they would be able to sign him next year, in which they were able to do that. Uh, and, and Cheeks was second overall in win shares, uh, 103.5 behind only uh, Larry Bird, um, and uh, played 15 years in the league, four All-Star games, five consecutive all-defensive teams. Also was later a coach of the Trailblazers and the uh, Sixers for four and a half seasons each. Uh, and then also uh, coached the Pistons for half of the 2014 season, but was fired before finishing season. So I, I guess he has never actually... Uh, <laughs> Been fired after finishing a season. It's always been in the uh, in, in the middle of a season. So, so that's the most thing for, there. For, yeah, there it yeah, is. yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's the most great cheeks. player. Maybe not the best coach, but uh, no, no, is he in the Hall yeah. of Fame? I feel like he's uh, um, he's kind of like close. I don't think he is, but I think he's another like borderline. Um, I'm not quite yeah, as well. adamant about it as I am uh, Dandridge, but I, he was really good for. I mean, he's one of the better point guards of the '80s and kind of. Uh, forgotten because his greater success was in the early half of the decade, which isn't as well remembered, of course, as the later half of the decade. Uh, he is not in the Hall of Fame, so that, that I, I thought that was there true. You go. Really. I just want to make sure because it's hard to yeah. tell sometimes with the the Basel Hall of Fame, but no, it is. not it's very in random. The yeah. Hall of Fame, yeah. So that's uh, yeah, interesting there. And as far as the win shares for people that don't know, we're th- that's the win shares rank in their draft class. Uh, we're going to do that for every single guy here, just 
just kind of give you an idea yes. uh, of where they fell. And, and, and in this case, Cheeks was he was second uh, overall, uh, right behind Larry Bird, which is impressive because it's not a bad draft either. If you look at that '78 draft, there's uh, quite a few good talents in there. But yeah, for Mo uh, Cheeks to be as high as he is 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 impressive. So I uh, move on to the '80s now uh, with Danny Ainge, Jason's favorite player of all time. Danny Ainge, 31st overall in the 1981 draft. Uh, Mark McGuire went number one to Dallas. Uh, he had just finished his junior year in college and he became the second underclassman ever to be drafted first overall uh, after uh, Magic Johnson, of course, 1979 was the, was the first to do it. Uh, and this draft also marked the first time in NBA history that th- the first three selections were college underclassmen. So we're seeing a little bit of a change to the guard and you'll be interested to see that, you know, as we progress, it, t- it gets lower and lower and lower until we get, you know, all freshmen. Then we get it, you know, you know so it's different stuff coming on here, but it's kind of fun how... Uh, by 1981, it was already the underclass, and we're kind of, in a way, taking over. Uh, Winshares rank for Mark Aguirre in his draft class. He uh, he finished sixth all time at 71.5. Uh, he's after Buck Williams. Buck Williams, the top Winshares guy of his draft class, and there's some good guys in this draft class. So, uh, kudos to Buck there. Larry Nance uh, is behind Buck. Uh, Isaiah Thomas third. Uh, Tom Chambers and Rolando Blackman. So, what do you think about Buck Williams? Is the top Winshares guy of his draft class? Yeah, I mean, he played a long time, so that obviously helps. Uh, I mean, he was really good, uh, a little underrated. I, I still like Isaiah Thomas uh, being Buck Williams having 120, and Isaiah Thomas only having 80 for <laughs> right. his career. Like, obviously, what? that's yeah, and I don't think that's measuring their the quality of them correctly, but it, it's interesting nevertheless. It just shows it shows what win shares can can sort of do in some sense. Where like you know, playing an extra five or six years yeah. will will really really help you in win shares. But you know, you got to play and you got to play well as well. So to, to get there, and uh, I, I feel so bad because every time I say Rolando Blackman's name, I have to stop for a second and not say Rolando Balkman. Which is so because one of them is great and the other one is Rolando Balkman, so it's really it's, right. I just like I have that yes. hang up. I cannot do it. Like I was so nervous saying his name that I was going to say Rolando Balkman. And that's, uh, but let's go back to Danny Ainge over real quick. Um, Ainge, uh, as, as many know, had been playing professional baseball since 1979 uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, he was also playing college basketball at that same time at BYU. Uh, he reportedly preferred to continue his baseball career, but the Celtics successfully persuaded him to play basketball instead, much to the joy of young Jason Mann. Uh, he is one of only 12 athletes ever to have played in both the NBA and MLB. Uh, Ainge's career baseball stats, for those wondering, uh, he batted 220, had a 264 on base, and a 269 slugging. Those are bad, all of them. Uh, he had a 47 <laughs> OPS plus. That is very bad. 100 is, like, good, and 47 is very, very bad, and that was in 211 games with Toronto Blue Jays. So I think he made the right choice by uh, leaving baseball, but uh, he competed, uh, completed in 14 uh, seasons in the NBA, played for the Celtics, uh, the Trailblazers, the Kings, and the Suns. And then he went on to coach the Suns for three seasons and then joined management of the Celtics, where he acquires assets uh, as sustenance. So that's, uh, that's good. Yes. Well, the assets are good sustenance, I've heard. <laughs> right. Yes. So... One of these days, he's going to make that big deal, and everyone's going to be like, you know, it's not going to just be the deals that Danny and Chuck's about. Like, oh, he almost made that deal. Oh, I had that deal, but be... I just, I just didn't do it. Yeah, I almost had this yeah, guy. I, just, I did. I, my, yeah. my dream is that he's just like forever, and they're like, Danny, like that draft's coming on. Like, you got to, tra- <laughs> like, he just keeps yeah. like trading back and trading back and trading back and trading back, and it's like 2028, and they're yeah. like, Danny, like, he's like, no, yeah. no, I'm telling you, I'm waiting. Like, he's like Howard Hughes well, at that point. He's got like a long beard. <laughs> it's like Danny. <laughs> Just make a trade. Just do it. Yeah. He's like, no. <laughs> I got to make the right one. They're like, all right. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Maybe Kevin Garnett's son by that point. You know, get, uh, <laughs> right. At Kevin that point, Garnett he's injured. like, there we go. Yeah. I wanted a winner, right. and I got there it. There we go. And, That's exactly, and then they win yeah. the title, like, in two years. And he's like, see? If you just, you know. There patience. you go. See? Just got to have patience. Hey, he's a patient. LeBron's child and Kevin Garnett's that. kid. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 
So next, uh, Jeff Hornacek. He was drafted 46 overall in the 1986 NBA draft by the Suns. Um, this draft actually has a record for the most players out of the prospects chosen who later debuted in the NBA, 66 players overall, which is kind of amazing. A uh, number of uh, talented second-round players that we'll talk about. Um, and also two exceptional international players, uh, Drazen Petrovic, who was, uh, who was selected in the third round and, of course, uh, passed away in 1993 in an automobile accident after he'd been uh, an all-star. And then Arvias Sabonis, uh, he uh, didn't actually join the NBA until 1995 with the uh, Trailblazers. There was uh, issues with, uh, you know, not being able to join because he was you know, playing in the Soviet Union and he was not allowed to go over. There, I know there, there's a pretty good podcast uh, from the uh, Trailblazers that kind of explored some of the uh, details behind that. But of course, at 95, you know, he was still still an effective player, but he had lost a lot of his youth and vigor and mobility because of a lot of knee and Achilles. Achilles tendon injuries. So, um, and then of course, this is the draft also most infamous for Len Bias going uh, number two overall and then dying tragically hours later of a drug overdose after the uh, draft. So, uh, actually, a lot of talent in this draft, but you know, unfortunately, uh, we're most known for the tragedy that uh, was included. Yeah, I mean, uh, arguably one of the people that a lot of people say would have been the most talented of everybody we never, unfortunately, got to see him play in the NBA. So, uh, definitely sucks there. But uh, yeah, that's uh, and they did. A, I think they did a really good job. I don't know if you watched the uh, the Magic La- or the Magic the the Lakers Celtics uh, thirty for thirty the three parter yet, but they do a really good job of talking about uh, uh, Len Bison and, and just that in general. I, I really enjoyed that documentary. If people haven't seen that yet, definitely uh, check it out if you can. Yeah, I have actually, actually had a chance, so I'm, yeah, I'm sure at some point I, I, was I will fist check bumping it out. because yeah. they they not only uh, they talk about you know they they address Boston racism at, at a point, and, and the thing that I was most fist bumping though is they went over Magic Johnson you know demanding the trade, and I was like, thank you. Nobody ever talks about this. Like we were like we we were the trendsetters. They were like, hey, you know, not not, not necessarily. I'm just kind of joking there, but we always said you know when when everybody talks about the the all oh, the Showtime Lakers and Magic, they don't talk about the fact that the dudes like, hey, you know, trade me or fire my coach because I don't like this guy. Like it's it's kind of funny, and they address that he got booed and like wasn't you know people weren't into him you know they have interviews with fans who are like i don't know this magic johnson guy i don't know he thinks he can come in and just kind of run the show like i don't think i think we should trade him so it's just kind of funny to see that because usually the narrative is magic comes everybody the nba is saved and everything's great yay like when it wasn't so yeah not quite uh, so uh, for um, for Hornacek, despite all the great players in the draft, he actually is number one overall in uh, win shares in that in that uh, class, uh, one hundred eight point nine. Um, and he played until two thousand uh, with the Suns, the Sixers, and the Jazz. Was part of the uh, Charles Barkley trade uh, that uh, sent Barkley to the Suns. And uh, he's also been coach of the uh, Suns and the uh, Knicks, which is just going great. Everything is going great with the Knicks, and uh, it's a very uh, <laughs> Happy time. He's also so I've heard. A, uh, I've heard all, good things. Nothing but good things yeah. coming out of Nick Land. So that's good. Yeah, Phil Jackson at the time. Helm. Yeah. That's, oh yeah. yeah. How could it go wrong? Right, yeah. <laughs> Nothing could go wrong. Yeah, he, he loves the triangle. You know, yeah. won the three point contest uh, two times mm-hmm. and uh, was retired. His fourteen was retired by the Jazz. So obviously was on those uh, teams that reached the finals and came close to winning a championship. Uh, and speaking of this, so we're sticking with the 1986 draft here with Mark Price, drafted 25th overall by the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, as far as win share rank, uh, he's third behind only Hornacek and then Dennis Rodman, who we'll cover in a moment. Uh, career highlights, he played 12 seasons from 1986 to 1988, spent the majority of his career, of course, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, but his last three years consisted of... Um, 
Seasons with the Washington Bullets, Golden State Warriors, and Orlando Magic. Uh, Mark Price, four-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA First Team, uh, two-time NBA three-point champion, his uh, number 25, retired by the Cavaliers as well. Uh, and then in retirement, uh, people might not know this, but Mark Price uh, got into the coaching ranks and spent a lot of time as an assistant. He was with Denver, Atlanta, Golden State, Orlando, uh, Charlotte, the Bobcats slash Hornets. Uh, and right now, I believe, uh, I, I'm almost positive he still is, too, the, the head coach of the Charlotte University uh, 49ers. So he's uh, head coach in the university ranks and uh, I'm not sure if he's still trying to get into the NBA ranks or or whatnot, but yeah, kind of funny that you know, pretty much immediately upon retiring, he gets in the coaching ranks and, and uh, bounces around for a lot of teams for for a lot of years as well. So, yeah, I wonder how Charlotte University became the 49ers, since obviously the 49ers are best known. For, <laughs> right? Yeah, know, they the don't. Uh, rush yeah, I don't think anybody out. was rushing to Charlotte for their gold, but I don't know. Yeah, that's a it's a very good question that I do not know the answer of, but <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> right it's a now mystery. Yeah, the, it's, uh, I. There must be some other 49 or, you know, that's, that's going on. There must be some, some reference to something else in 49. I've seen other logos like a pickaxe. Like, what the hell? So what the hell is this? What are we doing here, guys? Is this a Charlotte? Is this not in Charlotte, you know, the um, where we expect it to be? Is this a, a no, different Charlotte? No, it says Charlotte. <laughs> it says North Carolina. I mean, that's... Um, All right. Yeah, and, I mean, that would make sense. No yeah. one's going to address why they're called mm-hmm. the 49ers. Great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, perfect. All right. All right. Thanks, Wikipedia. Fair enough. Okay, well... Why is yeah. Charlotte <laughs> University the 49ers? Go on. Go on while I... Uh, all right, I will go on. Fair enough. Uh, next, <laughs> also in the uh, this draft, two slots later, uh, Dennis oh, Rodman. Sorry, I uh, had it. Do you want it? Uh, sure, let's, let's hit it. Yeah. Okay. The nickname of the athletic team is the 49ers, indicative of the fact that UNC Charlotte, then Charlotte College, was saved from permanent closure in 1949. Ah, okay. So there we go. That's, well, that's kind of nifty. So d- but there's like d- definitely an entry, but... but there's definitely, like, yeah. you look at the logo, and it's definitely like a, a, a pickaxe or, you, you know... I don't think I uh, whatever. Sure. Well, and and like their logo, their mascot's like a big bearded like Western guy. Like, come on, you can't do that. And then say not ours because you know this place is going to get closed down. You're confusing everybody, mainly yeah. us. So don't do that. I wonder I'm when a, they became the Forty Nine ers because. Yeah, I mean it would be, like yeah. if they made if they became the 49ers like in 1949 fine. I mean it's cuz you know pro football wasn't a big thing back then but it was like the 80s and you're just like taking advantage of like the 49ers are a big deal. I don't know. Oh yeah, they're like, oh, Bill Walsh and this Jerry Rice guy is pretty cool. It's a big, yeah. big deal. Let's let's Joe jump Montana, on that bandwagon. You know, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I do not anyway, know. So right. uh, maybe somebody listening know, uh, has a uh, um, you know a, a catalog that's of knowledge in, full of uh, yeah. <laughs> Charlotte 49ers uh, knowledge. So yeah, we clearly any, do not. Any so. Carolinians out there? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, north or south, we'll take your information if you have any idea about this because we're very curious. Yeah, we have to get down to the bottom. Anyway. Okay. Yes. Uh, back to basketball. Dennis Rodman. Um, he is uh, the uh, he is not the only uh, NBA player in history from uh, well, he's the only NBA player in history to play from Southeast Oklahoma State University. But he, there were three other players who were drafted out of college and never played in the NBA. So he's the only one to actually play in the NBA, which is, of course fascinating. Uh, you would think Southeastern Oklahoma State University would be <laughs> a hot part of, yeah, apparently yeah. not. Yeah. Like the, the modern right. Kentucky of, of basketball, but it is not, unfortunately. Only uh, Connie McGuire, Jerry Ship, and Jim Spivey. Not, yes. not Dan. Yeah. Jim Spivey. Just, not Dan. Dan, yeah. Dan with the Georgia. So uh, <laughs> wrestling Dan for those who uh, who have any idea. Dan, I would imagine the people who know who Dan Spivey is in this podcast are probably limited to you and I. But No, no. There's um, people that have listened to you and I on other things that know who Dan Spivey is. So, Well, it's true, yes. So, but the majority for, uh, Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> um, 
He was second overall to uh, to Hornacek in the windshare rank in this draft class. Uh, of course, you know, best known for playing with the uh, Pistons and Bulls and winning lots of championships. Also played for the Spurs and briefly the Lakers and the Mavericks, which did not go well. Uh, five-time NBA champion, two-time All-Star, five-time, or excuse me, uh, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, seven-time All-Defensive um, First Team, and a seven-time uh NBA rebounding champion and also a 2004 ABA champion with the Long Beach Jam. Well, not, not the arguably first, his biggest be, accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, yeah, I, uh, arguably. I mean, he was yeah. like in his 40s by then, so it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, he was really old when he was drafted. He was like 26 or so. so. Right. Yeah. 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 And he's current uh, North Korea diplomat as well. So uh, maybe his, yeah, his strongest so. accomplishment ever <laughs> is being like, yeah. an international diplomat to uh, our lovely yeah. president. So that's maybe he'll maybe he'll win the ABA championship for the North Korean team. That's true. Yeah, that he could he could probably do that. I, I feel like I feel Very like Rodman could still probably get down the court. All right, he looks like he's in yeah. okay shape. I mean, considering what yeah, he puts, I mean, considering I, what he puts I, his I, body I, on it, but he did that when he was in the NBA anyway. So it's like you know, hey, yeah. I'm guessing that there are not necessarily a whole lot of professional level players in North Korea that are going to compete with even a 50 plus year old Dennis Rodman. I was just reaffirming that 1986 was a big year for, um, a, 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 you know, quite an impressive year for the second round draft picks. Yeah, actually, the the draft itself is, um, you know, we mentioned at the top, like, tons of really good talent in there as, as well. I mean, you look at the, the guys that are on here. So, yeah, Brad Doherty, of, K, of course, who went number one. Um, you got Ron Harper. Yeah, like, not a lot of, like, super superstars, but a lot of, like, just bench guys that just would remain on benches almost through the entire 80s and 90s. You got, you know, Johnny Newman, Nate McMillan, Sabonis, John Sally, Del Curry, Chuck Person, Scott Skiles, Kevin Duckworth, Johnny Dawkins, you, you know, Ron Tarpley, Kenny Walker. Like, so a lot of guys there that just kind of hung around forever. I mean, it's, you can go almost, um, almost like 20, 20 deep or so with, with guys that, you know, were decent enough players in the league, which is, is, is unique in an NBA draft. Go, go through it. I mean, they don't really do that. I mean, you, you get like, you know, a handful of 10, 15 guys that are really like, consistent rotation dudes or whatever but yeah this is a draft that was uh, particularly deep yeah absolutely all right so we'll move to the 1990s now and one of uh, dennis rodman's former teammates tony kukoc drafted 29th overall in the 1990 draft by the chicago bulls uh this draft uh Derek coleman went number one to the new jersey Nets. so a little bit of background also uh unfortunately another tragedy loyal marymount tank gathers who was highly regarded and had the potential to go really high in the draft uh he died of a heart condition in may uh march rather of 1999 uh, during a game, and uh, I, I'm I'm I put this up on Twitter a little bit earlier, and I'm I'm curious on your thoughts. This might be the all-time great old man draft, 1990. So here are the guys that 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 I picked out. A few of the names that that really helped me uh, do this, and I hope anybody else can go through and, and and figure out their their favorite old man draft ever. But this one, you have Dennis Scott, Eldon Campbell, Antonio Davis, Kendall Gill, Terry Mills, Bimbo Coles, and Tony Massenburg. Uh, that is very good. I mean, Elvin Campbell was to... 21 and played like he was like 37. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. same with Antonio Davis. Right. Like, Antonio Davis was like a little more athletic when he was younger, but like not that much more. And like, Kendall Gill kind of the same way too. Like, those dudes all played like they were 36. Like, the immediate, the second they got into the league. Yeah, I also think it's because a lot of those guys hung on for a really long time. So I do feel like our like they may have just been they may have been more spry. <laughs> I'm sure they were more spry to a degree when they were younger. But our memories are so imprinted of the old versions of them that it's kind of hard to remember when they were you know young and, and, and spry. But I would agree that the, for the most part, those guys all you know effective players, you know pretty good players in their own right. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I would say that is you, you definitely got a good case there. Yeah, uh, Jason Palumbo, who's uh, one of our, f- our favorite Twitter followers as well, he um, 
he responded with uh, 1985, and here's the guys he put up here. Uh, Terry Porter, uh, Xavier McDaniel, uh, Charles Oakley. And Charles Oakley gives you like 100 bonus points because he played until he was like 56 years old. So uh, he gets you a lot of bonus points. Uh, Tyrone Corbin, Bill Wennington, Sam Mitchell, and Joe Klein. That is a pretty good one, too. That is a uh, uh, bonus points for if they're big guys, too, because I feel like big guys just kind of always, especially guys like big dudes of like the late 80s and early 90s were all just like, Old. They all kind of had old games or whatever, so I like that. So hopefully we'll see some other people that uh, they can come back with their their all time great old old man drafts. But uh, as far as Tony Kukoc, he uh, he ranked fourth uh, in win shares uh, among his draft class. He's behind Gary Payton, Derek Coleman, and Eldon Campbell. So uh, pretty decent guys to be behind. Gary Payton, of course, the uh, the top win share guy from that uh, that draft. And as far as Tony Kukoc career highlights, he played with the Bulls, of course, from 1993 to 2000, which saw him win three NBA titles. I uh, played with the 76ers, Hawks, and Bucks before retiring in 2006, and he was the NBA Sixth Man of the Year in 1996, so the uh, the famous uh, Bulls 72 and 10 year uh, as well. So yeah, that's uh, that's Tony Kukoc. Yeah, I, I will have to say on the uh, on the Xavier McDaniel, like I do feel like uh, the X Man was like super athletic yes, when he was young. Yes, like, yes, I think so, he aged into the uh, so. I would say other than that, though, I think that was a very good example from uh, Jason. But I have to throw it in. Yeah, I, would, I, I, remember, I took a little uh, bit of a – yeah, I don't know about the X-Men. I'm not going to put the X-Men in there. That's like comparing the X-Men and like yeah. Eldon Campbell. I just I, – I can't do that. So Right. Yeah, can't do that. Yeah, but yes. So um, uh, Stephen Jackson, the uh, 1997 was drafted 42nd overall by the Phoenix Suns. Uh, <laughs> he was the third Jackson drafted in uh, that draft after uh, – Bobby Jackson and Mark Jackson, so not not the uh, not the announcer Mark Jackson, but the, the M A R C Jackson, who I don't really remember. Uh, but tall and bald yeah, is he was, all I remember was, about that Mark Jackson. Uh, okay, tall, bald, well, and bad is, is the things I remember about right. that tall, uh, Mark bald, Jackson. Bad. With a C, well, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, this is of course the Tim Duncan draft. Uh, Boston tried its best to get to the interval draft pick, but uh, the Spurs were lucky to get the. Uh, the number one draft pick in a year, they happen to be bad because of injuries and other things. Uh, the Celtics got uh, Chauncey Billups and Ron Mercer instead, but traded both of them within the next uh, two years. Uh, of course, Billups would go on to have a Hall of Fame career. The Celtics not middle-managed during that time, uh, coincidentally. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Wizards uh, forfeited their first-round pick uh, in connection with the signing of Juwan Howard. So uh, I, was, that, was there an issue with... Um, was that like a penalty for a contract thing, or was yeah, that? Yeah, I just, forgot uh, what the what the Juwan Howard thing was. I didn't I didn't dig deep into that. I know I've I've read it before, and I I, I do remember some of the details. Okay. Yeah, it was something with I guess the way that they did the money because I think they they gave him like a massive deal, and I think they found some way that they were kind of like messing with the money. I I forgot exactly what it was. Maybe I, uh, later okay. on I can, can kind of clarify that. I'm but, sure uh, someone. Oh, okay. Fair yeah, enough. it was something I, like I that. I, I know it was money that, related but, or, or, or something like that. But yeah, it was definitely a, yeah, definitely an issue. I, so. Yeah, I, I recall something uh, along those lines as well. But anyway, uh, he was eighth in winters overall in this draft, at thirty-six point one after Tim Duncan, Chauncey Billups, Tracy McGrady, uh, Antonio McDaniel, or excuse me, Antonio Daniels, uh, Derek Anderson, Keith Van Horn, and Tony Batie. Interesting, he's behind Tony Batie uh, all time and things. I would think he would be obviously behind Duncan Billups and McGrady, but I consider him reasonably, you know, a, a good bit better than the rest of those players. Okay, so I, I looked it up real quick about the, the Juwan Howard thing. Um, it, it's actually interesting. So it wasn't really much of what the Bullets did. It's 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 kind of unique here. So the Bullets offered Howard an $89 million contract with the Miami Heat, outbid them with a seven-year deal estimated to be worth uh, between 98 and 101. This is from uh, Wikipedia, grabbed from, uh, uh, grabbed from a normal source, so I'm just reading it from Wikipedia. However, according to the NBA League office, the Heat miscalculated their available salary cap um, after, you know, because they didn't ex- they excluded performance bonuses for Tim Hardaway and P.J. Brown and failed to account for the impact of renegotiating Alonzo Moore 
Tony's contract before coming to terms. So the league rejected the contract because um, he would put him over the cap. Howard then re-signed with the Bullets. He became the first player in NBA history to sign a contract over $1 million or whatever. Uh, the league ruled uh, that on August 5th that the Bullets could re-sign Howard after, re- after renouncing his rights on July 15th to free up cap space uh, to sign Tracy Murray and Lorenzo Williams if they forfeited their first-round pick. So essentially, they uh, renounced the rights because they thought he was going to Miami. Miami said, oops, we are bad at math. And then the Wizards wanted him back, but they were weirdly with the cast. So it was a way to maneuver the cap to let him go back to the Wizards because they were under the assumption the Heat were going to take him. So, yeah. Stupid well, Heat. <laughs> I need to explain that. Yeah, was was Pat Riley involved in that? Or was that before uh, I don't know. Pat I'm gonna Riley? go with yeah. Let's just let's just blame Pat Riley. Anyway, I, so I, I feel like yeah. Well, why not? We we said nice things about Danny Ainge. We might as well uh, we might as well target Pat Riley. If anybody show, would so. be scuzzy enough and then like plead ignorance about like not knowing their available cap room, I feel like it's Pat Riley. So that's oh, I, yeah, I, I feel yeah, like we so. could we could safely assume that Pat probably knew what he was doing and and yeah. But I I, I don't know. I'm not. I shouldn't be smirched. Uh, the honorable Pat Riley. I apologize. So. Oh, oh, you should definitely be first. Okay. Pat Riley. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's definitely something we should do. Uh, Stephen Jackson played 14 years. The Nets, the Pacers, the Warriors, the Bucks, the Spurs, and the Clippers. Not with the Suns who drafted him, um, and then won the championship with the Spurs in uh, 2003. Um, not listed on here, but uh, Jackson also played for the Hawks as, as well. So, um, oh, who could forget? So, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, and of course, the We Believe Warriors uh, famously. In uh, 2007, I have almost no memory of him playing for the Bucks either. I do kind of vaguely recall there being some weird trade that got him there or that sent him out of there. But other than that, I don't. I have no memory of uh, Stephen Jackson on the Bucks. Yeah, I, I feel like I went to like a Bucks game when Stephen Jackson played there, and I still have very few memories of the uh, the Stephen Jackson. He's also an accomplished hip hop artist as well. Stack Jack, I believe, is his uh, his name, and it's uh, oh yes, yes. So, so he's, he's he's a fun uh, fun commentator on occasion, you know, on the on various ESPN platforms. And yes, such, so. so. I'm, I'm pro Steven Jackson. Yes. I enjoy Steven Jackson. So, sure. yeah. I'll move on to our next guy here, Richard Lewis. I uh, drafted 32 overall in uh, the 1998 draft by the Seattle Supersonics. He came out of high school, so there were some obviously issues um, about him. And pretty early in the the high school entry, you know, of course, had Kevin Garnett and Kobe and a few other guys as well. But uh, by 1998, still a little cautious about drafting high schoolers. Um, Interesting, though, this 1998 draft uh, really helped turn around three different franchises, Dallas, Sacramento, and Toronto. Uh, Dallas, of course, in this draft, they uh, drafted uh, Robert Trailer, sent him to Milwaukee for Dirk and Pat Garrity, and then traded Pat Garrity for Steve Nash. So in one fell swoop, they got Dirk and Steve Nash, which I think helped them out quite a bit over the next decade or so. Uh, Toronto then drafted uh, Anton Jameson, but then sent him to Golden State for Vince Carter. So that was a nice little trade that kind of helped out both little franchises. But, of course, Vince Carter's impact in Toronto, obviously much bigger than Anton Jameson's in, in Golden State. And then Sacramento drafted Jason Williams, and they paired him with Chris Webber, and almost immediately that team started uh, competing um, pretty well in the playoffs as well. So three franchises there that had been downtrodden for quite a while that then turned around almost immediately uh, with this draft. Uh, as far as this 1980 draft, five players from this uh, draft class have played in the NBA All-Star game at least once in their careers. You have Dirk, of course, Vince Carter, Anton Jameson, Paul Pierce, and Richard Lewis, and then all of them, interestingly enough, have reached 20,000 career points, except for Richard Lewis, who I, I forgot where he's at, but he can't be too far off, though, because Richard played quite a few years. I'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, Winshare rank, he's fourth uh, in this draft class at 90.9. He's after Dirk, Paul Pierce, and Vince Carter. He is, much to your delight though, higher than Mike Bibby, who's sixth. So, there you go. Your second, after Danny Ainge, your second favorite player is Mike Bibby of all time. So that's uh, <laughs> he definitely is. So uh, I was trying to find uh, Richard, Lo- Richard Lewis's career points, but uh, you were too quick. So I oh uh, wait, here we go. Let's see. Um, this is fun. Me looking up something on basketball yes, reference oh, yeah. while we well, uh, we've done. We, I've looked at two things on Wikipedia while this show's going on as well. So it's you know <laughs> perfectly okay. 
All right. Well, let's see. Uh, we've gotten to this point. Might as well get yeah. to the uh, number of yeah, uh, get to the number of points. Which okay. Oh, uh, only uh, a little bit over fifteen. Oh, 000. so he's not so close. Not, never so, mind. Okay. Never mind. Yeah, Sorry, never Richard. Mind. <laughs> You're yeah. probably not going to do yeah. it there, buddy. But uh, yeah. Well, he. I think he. He's retired. I'm pretty sure. Oh, there you um, go. There you can come back anytime anybody wants to. Uh, yeah, he, he could come back. <laughs> yeah, he, he last played. He last played 2014, but he could come back. Come back. And I think yeah. didn't, didn't he play in like five? Like he didn't play much that year either, right? No, yeah, yeah, yeah very so. little. So you never um, know. Hey, you never <laughs> I don't know. know who's calling him, but I don't know if somebody might. You know, yeah, maybe yeah. he'll play in Korea with Dennis Rodman. Yeah, and then you know he re, re you know it could happen. Figure something yeah. out. Anyway, uh, so, played um, in his seventeen-year career, next. played for Seattle, um, Orlando, Washington, and Miami. He won a championship, uh, as Jason mentioned, with Miami in 2013. Uh, he's also a two-time NBA All Star as well. So that is Richard Lewis. That is Richard Lewis indeed. Um, so next we have Manu Ginobili, who was a 57th overall in 1999 by the San Antonio Spurs, second to last pick during that time. There were only 29 teams. And uh, it was the first draft in which four players from the same college were picked in the first round. Elton Brand, uh, Trajan Langdon, uh, Corey Maggetti, and William Avery were all uh, picked from Duke. Um, and there were t- uh, nine future All-Stars chosen. Uh and also three winners of the sixth man of the year award: Manu Ginobili, uh, aforementioned uh, Jason Terry, and Lamar Odom. So, uh, Ginobili um, third in win share rank, one hundred and four point two behind Sean Marion and Elton Brand. Although I would argue that, uh, although Brandon Marion were awesome players, I would argue Ginobili is the best of uh, of those. And um, he, of course, has been he has won uh, four NBA championships with the or five NBA championships with the Spurs, actually. Um, oh, no, no, he didn't win the 991. It's only four. Uh, never mind. This is correct. Uh, two-time All-Star, and uh, he also once swatted a bat out of midair and then carried it off the court. So <laughs> uh, a lot of great things. is, is uh, the biggest highlight ever. I mean, that's hard to do. Like, yeah. A, yeah. like, who wants, to be, who wants to do that in the first place? Like, I would just let the bat go. Like, I'm I'm not touching the bat, but uh, man, yeah. it doesn't care. So. And I, I, yeah, and I think his ranks would be higher if he, if he was obviously uh, – probably more effective because he was in limited minutes uh, throughout, you know, mm-hmm. his, his career. But that um, obviously, uh, you know, kept him, keeps him from being a little bit higher on some of those uh, things. But obviously innovative player, you know, great ball handler, Eurostep, um, you know, just a guy who was really influential and fun. And th- it was drafted, I think, so low in this point because, this, as you mentioned, with the high school players, there was still a lot of reluctance on those guys. Also a lot of reluctance on still uh, bringing in international players because they were more common at this point. But there were, you know, there was some that had failed. And some had succeeded, so you could still get the bargains, you know, at this point. Still, you know, some organizations were prioritizing it and some weren't. And obviously, the Spurs did and, and did that throughout, mm-hmm. you know, the 90s and 2000s and obviously paid off for them. You would see more of the international guys being like big dudes, you know, seven footer, seven, you know, you know, you're big guys, you're kind of free, less so of like the guards and swing men type guy, more of like, yeah, we'll take this guy that's European if he's seven foot two or whatever, but we're not, you know, we're not going to take this, you know, six, five, you know, <laughs> guard or whatever, but uh, paid off for yeah. the San Antonio Spurs. So that's uh, uh, great for them. And, and yeah, like you mentioned in the, in the wind shares, like we, we've done shows about Manny Ginobili and like wind shares per 48 is where he really shines. Cause that's a guy who, who maximized his minutes. Yeah. Didn't play as many minutes maybe as these other guys. So didn't accumulate the same amount of wind shares as those other two. But when you look at him as like a per minute basis, I mean, that's a guy who obviously, uh, and, and never complained about it either was, was more than willing to come off the bench and, and a big, part of, of why he was so good and, and why the Spurs were so successful is, is him, you know, offering to be a bench guy and not say, hey, no, no, I need to start. You know, I got to I got to start. You know, it's a it's cool to say that. I mean, it's just a good guy to get a guy that, that, that just accepts his role from the beginning and just always, you know, does it to its fullest. So 
That's Manu Ginobili. Uh, we'll jump now to the 2000s. You got Paul Millsap. So he was drafted uh, 47th overall by the Utah Jazz in 2006. Uh, the first overall player in this draft was Andrea Bargnani. Ooh, yeah, yeah, not great. Yeah, I remember that's uh, the second player uh, without competitive experience in the United States to be drafted first overall. The top five and really the top ten of this draft is a, a pretty big dumpster fire here. Um, you might want to shield your, your ears for this, but you got Lamarcus Aldridge. Andrani Bargnani, so Aldridge, fine, that's fine. Bargnani, eh. <laughs> Adam Morrison, uh, Tyrus Thomas, uh, <laughs> Sheldon Williams, uh. <laughs> then you, yeah, Brandon Roy, could... Brandon Roy, okay, okay, you know, injuries, injuries. Uh, Randy Foy, yeah, okay. Rudy Gay, I mean, yeah, he played in the league a lot, and then uh, then it gets it kind of falls off the rails here. Patrick O'Brien and Muhammad Sene. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, half of those guys were just disasters. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Brandon Roy was great, but the injuries. Rudy Gay's fine. Oliver was a good player. That's about it. Yeah, yeah most of the other guys uh, are like out of the league in like four years. Like, like even maybe yeah. even less than that in some cases. I mean, Ra- Randy Foy's a you know, fine journeyman, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. But and Bargnani hung around yeah. for like four years longer than he probably needed to because he had one good year. Sure. Uh, but as yeah. far as this draft though, there was a lot of good value though. You had uh, Rajon Rondo was twenty first, Kyle Lowry was twenty fourth. Uh, even a guy like a Daniel Gibson, who not you know a great player, but a, but a decent role player. He's forty second uh, in this draft. Uh, as far as Paul Millsap's uh, win shares ranks, he's second behind only Lamarcus Aldridge. Uh, then as far as highlights for him, played uh, obviously in Utah until two thousand thirteen, and then he became a member of the Atlanta Hawks, and he is a four time NBA All Star. Yeah. So yeah, Millsap's had a nice uh, career. He's been a nice Hawk. I, I'm going to be sad when the uh, Hawks probably are not going to resign him. And I understand he's older, probably not a good investment. But uh, you know, he's been he's helped uh, the kind of the second half of this uh, you know pretty good run for the Hawks over the last ten years. And uh, it's yeah, it'll be uh, a little sad to see him go if that indeed happens. Uh, so next, uh, Marcus All. He was uh, 48th overall in, in 2007 by the Lakers, and then was later traded uh, the next year for his brother Pau. And uh, you know, the, kind of the the issue with him is that his weight. Well, he was he was pretty overweight and was not necessarily seen as anything special. But he uh, he lost the weight and suddenly uh, you know sparked to become a great player. And this was the uh, the Kevin Durant uh, Greg Oden draft. Oden was drafted number one overall. Uh, Durant number two. They were the first freshmen selected with the top two drafts. Uh, and um, Horford was number three. Um, Al Horford uh, was selected third by the uh, Hawks that year. Uh, big, big, big actually led to their uh, f- from them being a terrible team to a pretty good team for a long time. And uh, there was also this was the summer of some uh, of the Ray Allen to a Boston trade and the slightly less remembered Zach Randolph in <laughs> the Knicks trade. Um, slightly less successful one as well. <laughs> Didn't quite yes, and also. Yeah, yeah, not, not not so great. Um, <laughs> and of course, Zach Randolph would later be uh, Marcus Gasol's uh, running mate in Memphis. So eventually, they both ended up in the uh, same place. The uh, two, this draft also was the first time three players were in the top ten from the same school, University of Florida. Uh, Florida it was a uh, uh, Horford, uh, Brewer, and uh, and Joakim Noah. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, his win share rank is third behind Kevin Durant and Horford. Uh, he's a three-time All-Star with Defensive Player of the Year in 2013 and All-NBA First Team in 2015. They kind of had probably to throw a center on there, so maybe uh, slightly higher than you would put it, although he was really good that year. So, yeah, you know, no, absolutely. Totally fine. 
Yeah. I'll move on now to Goran Dragic, uh, 45th overall in the 2008 draft by the San Antonio Spurs. We'll get to that in a little bit because it was a lot of maneuvering to get him <laughs> uh, both to the Spurs and then away from the Spurs. But uh, this was the draft 2008. Uh, Chicago Bulls had a 1.7% probability of obtaining the first selection. They got it, though, and they drafted, of course, Derrick Rose. Uh, this is the second largest upset in NBA draft lottery history behind the Orlando Magic, who won it in 1993 with a 1.5% chance. And they uh, made a very good pick on that night as well. Um and this, the 2008 draft, was the first time in draft history that the first three picks were all freshmen with Derrick Rose, Michael Beasley, and O.J. Mayo going 1, 2, and 3. Uh, Winchester is ranked for Goran Dragic, and we'll get back to him in a sec. Uh, eighth with a 44.1. Uh, he's behind Russell Westbrook, Kevin Love, DeAndre Jordan, George Hill, Sergi Baca, Brooke Lopez, and Nicholas Batum. So that was a really, really good draft uh, when you look at that, where, where a guy like a Goran Dragic, who's a very good player and is, is carving out a nice little career, is eighth behind those guys. And all guys that I would say are arguably, you know, real good pieces uh, as well, particularly, you know, Westbrook, Love, and, and, and even to, uh, you know, maybe even lesser extent, DeAndre Jordan, who are, are guys that are, you know, pillars of their teams. And, and in Westbrook's case, you know, one of the top five players in the league uh, right now as well. Um, so as far as Dragic, though, uh, he was drafted by the Spurs, but his draft rights were traded in exchange for the draft rights to Malik Harrison. So in case you're wondering if the Spurs are mortal, they are because they traded Gordon Dragic for Malik Harrison. And that uh, I don't think worked out all that well. Uh, of Not course, uh, Dragic, he played 2008 and 2011 with the Suns. Then he moved on for one year with the Houston Rockets. Uh, he returned then to the Suns, uh, 2012 to 2015, and then uh, now with his present team, uh, Miami. And he's been there since 2015. Uh, he won the NBA's Most Improved Player Award in 2014. And and then a great little fun fact, he and his brother Zoran, alongside teammates Mark Keefe and Marcus Morris, all briefly played together uh, during the fourth quarter of a game against the Philadelphia 76ers in January 2015. It was the first time in NBA history that two different pairs of brothers played together for the same team at the same time. Quite magical. <laughs> that is incredible. That's, I don't yeah. think it's going to That's really hard to have, like... A half your team be related to each other, <laughs> like you know, yeah, you know, like that. Right. That's really like, yeah, that's 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 difficult to do. So, congratulations, yeah. so Phoenix Suns. So, so, is it surprising to you that uh, the first three picks in that draft, Derek Rose, Michael Beasley, and OJ Mayo, that Beasley is probably viewed as the most responsible of those three at this? Yeah, point? Yeah, that we were having a discussion about that. Like, I'm my uh, obviously, I'm a Bulls fan. You know, I live in Chicago, or whatever, and. There's a, uh, a thread at this old forum I was at where people were talking about the Rose versus Beasley and da, da, da. it's like and, and just yeah. reading that now in retrospect after like what's happened because we're all like obviously we're all saying oh you got to take Rose there was like one guy that was like I don't know Beasley seems cool and we're like get the hell out of here Beasley yeah. sucks or whatever yeah I mean Beasley seemed like he was gonna be like I mean his, his like stats in college were like looked like amazing it looked like he, oh, yeah, was, he was averaging like, like thirty a game like, and he just score at will yeah. and it was just like eh, that's tough to like to, yeah. to, to take a guard over him it seems tough or whatever but you know Rose was obviously the the, the pick to make uh, there and, right. And obviously, and, yeah, and still right, is, right. but it's just kind of funny in retrospect to look back at that because then yeah. people are like making jokes about you know Beasley and uh, he's going to get arrested and he smokes so much weed and all this sort of stuff and and yes he you know Michael Beasley I think does still you know enjoy uh, he's had he's had his things but <laughs> yes but compared to what Derek Rose has been accused of and uh, and O.J. was like out of the league, yeah. thrown out of the league it, for weed so it's like you know what I mean yeah. Bees, you know, I think it's more Bees. serious drugs than weed but but yeah yeah, yeah but, yeah, but yes. Bees is just kind of hanging there like yeah well you know <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah. And could probably, arguably, like, when it's all said and done, might actually accumulate more win shares and have maybe a better overall career than, like, Derrick Rose. Like, in the weirdest way possible, like, just by hanging around for a few more years, he might actually do it. But maybe Rose yeah, will hang around, too. We'll see. 
Yeah, maybe. So, uh, Deandre Jordan next, 35th overall in 2008 by the Clippers. Surprising, a guy with his size uh, was drafted that late, uh, but obviously diamond in the rough. He was He's third in win shares in his class behind Westbrook and Love. Uh, his first name is actually Highland. Deandre is officially his uh, middle name. Um he will uh, his next year will be ninth with overall with the Clippers. So he has to be near the top, if not at the top, in terms of you know minutes or games played for the Clippers because because uh, Blake and Chris Paul, of course, you know uh, joined after he did. So um, twenty eleven, he actually signed an offer seat with the Warriors, um, but uh, they did not. Uh, the Warriors, or excuse me, the Clippers matched. It would be odd to think of what the NBA would be like if they didn't match yeah, because right. if they if the Warriors got into Jordan, probably everything that's happened to them. Is that would not have happened, and the Clippers would not have been. I mean, they obviously the Clippers would have just done something different, but probably, you know, that, that that's definitely a, a pretty big change. Um, only actually one time NBA All Star surprised me. I would, thought he would have had a couple. Uh, there's some pretty good centers that West, of course. Uh, first time, uh, two, 2016 All NBA first team. That was definitely a, a situation where there were not really any other good centers, and you have to have a center on the uh, first team, which you, I think you should not. So they should be positionless. And uh, two time uh, rebounding leader and two time All Defensive first team. So he's he's had a very very good career, uh, and obviously uh, been a part of some as we talked about some Clippers teams that are really impressive. But you know just to have, have, we're in the wrong era. Yeah, yeah we're are good, but uh, not great. Uh, which was a really good uh, episode. I sure. think we, we talked about the Clippers as, as kind of the the frontrunners of that. But yeah, really good episode in our archives. You can check out. But yeah, that uh, the idea of, of DeAndre Jordan in 2011 going to the the, the Warriors for you know a multi year deal is it's just interesting. Like, is that I don't know. The, do the Warriors are they the what they are with? Jordan because like Jordan could still you know get down and and we we know that he can obviously run the floor pretty well but yeah you do wonder if you know the the what the Warriors are able to do if it's quite the same with DeAndre Jordan or if you know they even draft a guy like a Draymond Green you know it's it's one of those things that's just like this one little thing it completely changed the the trajectory of the NBA but that's you know in pick out those all the time but yeah that, that's one that's like super close or it's just like man like that's really really could have happened there but uh yeah so we'll move on now uh 2010 so you got hassan whiteside drafted 33 overall in 2010 by the sacramento kings which seems interesting because he's just now kind of burst on the scene but uh, we'll get to that if you're not familiar with the hassan whiteside journey uh this draft 2010 set the record with five players being drafted from the same school in the first round uh that was john wall demarcus cousins patrick patterson eric bledsoe and daniel orton they were all from the university of kentucky uh windshare rank for hassan whiteside he's behind Greg Monroe, Paul George, Gordon Hayward, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Derek Favors, and Ed Davis. So uh, I, I'm guessing he's going to pass Ed Davis at some point. But as far as those other Probably. guys, um, really good draft there. I mean, Monroe, George, Hayward, Wall. I mean, we're looking at especially George and, and Hayward are two you know, top-tier players and, and cousins you can throw in there, too, and, and John Wall. So it's like you know, four of those guys are like you know, <laughs> franchise uh, cornerstones in a lot of ways. So um uh, career highlights now for Hassan Whiteside. Oh, I was really hoping you were going to have to do this because I cannot pronounce half these things. So uh, sorry. I'll, 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 take over. I'll, I'll do it. Okay, all right. I can do cool. it. I'll, I'll handle it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. This He's, is the Lebanese basketball league I think you're going to have trouble with, but go ahead. All right. Well, that's all right. I'll, uh, I'll figure it out. So uh, he spent uh, uh, 2010 through 2012 with, with the Kings and also the Reno Big Horns of the, uh, of the D-League. The G-League. Uh, the G-League, sir. Well, it was D League at the time. So, no, it's yes. always, swiping from the records. It's always been the G League. Are you kidding? 
Our good friends at Gatorade. the G League air. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, you know, the uh, NBA would have you believe that with the BA. But anyway, 2012-2013 with the uh, Sioux Falls Sky Force, then, uh, then the Rio Grande Valley Vipers in 2013, then the Amjit Club in Lebanon, then the Siuchan Blue Whales of China's NBL. This is all still 2013. Then the... Um, Al Mudahed Tripoli of the okay. Lebanese Basketball League. Apologize if I mispronounced that. Then back to China, still in 2013 with the Jiangsu Tongchi. And then 2014 with the Grizzlies, the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, the Iowa Energy. Back to the Grizzlies and then back to Iowa. Then 2014 with Miami. Then back to Sioux Falls. And then recalled has been with uh, with the Heat ever since. You know, once he caught on with the Heat and started playing really well there. Uh, he was the NBA's rebounding leader in 2017 and the blocks leader in 2016. So uh, maybe a guy who um, might, might be a little bit empty numbers, but still, you know, given the journey that he went through, it's impressive that he's you know had as much success as he had in the league. Yeah, that he didn't give up during, you know, especially that like 2013 where he's playing for like five different teams and you know four different countries or whatever. Just just to stick through that is is, is super impressive. So um, yeah, right. He's sort of been a kind of a guy who a lot of people have questioned uh, where his head is at at times or, you know, what, what his motivations are. But, yeah, I, ha- dealing with that, uh, you know, having to having the dream to play basketball at, you know, like uh, I mean, even though he's 33 overall, he still obviously has his size and talent. And to bounce through all that, that does show some resiliency and some focus that obviously just getting the NBA, you, you have to be pretty resilient, pretty focused to uh, accomplish that. All right, since you did that, I'll take over for Isaiah Thomas here. That was bravo, by the way. You did a fantastic job with those uh, those team Thank names. You. So I was I was very worried about it all day. So I'm, I'm glad you did that. Uh, Isaiah yeah. Thomas, uh, the Boston, of course, the current Boston Celtics. Isaiah Thomas, not the Detroit Pistons, but Isaiah Thomas, uh, drafted 60th. Which, if you're doing the counting right, yes, that is last overall in 2011 by Sacramento. Uh, how he got there was pretty interesting as well. It was a trade via the Bulls and the Bucks on July twenty first, two thousand ten. The Sacramento Kings acquired Darnell Jackson and a two thousand eleven second round pick from the Milwaukee Bucks in exchange for John Brockman. Uh, I don't remember anything about John Brockman or Darnell Jackson, so that's fantastic. Uh, and then on February eighteenth, two thousand ten. So prior to that trade, the Bucks acquired John Salmons and the option to swap two thousand ten first round. <laughs> picks, uh, 2011 and 2012 second round draft picks from the Bulls in exchange for Hakeem Warwick and Joe Alexander. So a lot of bad got traded and eventually ended up with Isaiah Thomas. So uh, interesting there, but uh, unfortunately the Sacramento didn't really do much with that uh, that value that they had, but as far as this draft of 2011, uh, Clippers had the number one overall pick thanks to the Baron Davis trade uh, with the Clippers, and that gave them Kyrie Irving, which I think worked out pretty well for them. Um, and then four of the first picks, including three of the top four picks, Kyrie Irving, Derek Williams, Tristan Thompson, and Amon Shumpert, would all eventually become teammates on the Cleveland Cavaliers. So there you go. This last season was all the 2011 draft, you know, brought to you by LeBron in the 2011 draft. So uh, other value picks, though, in this draft, a lot of good ones here. You got Clay Thompson at number 11. I mean, that's I, I, I don't know if that's an extreme value, but still, you know, not bad for, for a guy of Clay Thompson's level. It uh, gets better, though. You got Kawhi Leonard at 15, uh, Jimmy Butler at 30 and Chandler Parsons at 38. So those are four guys that I think are, are pretty decent values as well. Uh, as far as Isaiah Thomas's win shares, he's third behind uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler right now. Uh, Thomas is a two-time NBA All-Star and All-NBA second team as well. So, pretty good. 
And uh, last but not least, uh, Draymond Green uh, drafted in 2012, uh, 35th overall by the Golden State Warriors. That was a, a pretty big uh, draft uh, for them. And uh, he was one pick behind Jay Crowder, who was also, of course, very good. Chris Milton was only four picks later, so a lot of good uh, second rounders in uh, this draft. Uh, this was the first time the first two players selected were from the same school, uh, Anthony Davis and Michael Gilchrist, who were teammates in Kentucky. And also had um, six players from Kentucky selected in the first two rounds of the draft and the first uh, draft to have the um, first three selections be college freshmen from the same conference, the <laughs> SEC. So it's uh, really pulling these fun facts out of these uh, drafts. I, the, to be fair, Wikipedia has a lot of these, so I can't, uh, well, I can't take credit for yeah. too many of these. Like that one in particular, how the hell would I have ever <laughs> known that? Yes. yes. Somebody yes. knew that, and I'm so, glad they did. So thank you, that person. Yeah. So, um. Winchair rank out of this draft is fourth behind Anthony Davis, Damon Lillard, and Otto Drummond. Obviously a good draft there. Uh, two-time NBA champion now, having won the second one. Two-time NBA All-Star uh, steals leader in 2017, which surprised me a little bit. He's known for, of course, being versatile and being able to, uh, you know, um, get all the stats on the uh, on the stat sheet, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, I didn't think of steals necessarily as a primary uh No, I never, yeah. Did, yeah there you I go. wouldn't either. Yeah. I, I wouldn't either. So. I, I, don't, uh, I don't equate Draymond to, like, a big steals guy. So that's interesting, so. Yeah, there, there you go. So I, I wonder how many forwards have led the league in steals. That can't be. It, it's obviously a more common thing with the guards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that'd be interesting to see. Yeah, that, uh, so, I don't know, yeah. and I'm not going to look it up because we've done enough looking up on this show. So. We, we have. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so we had some listeners who chimed in with some uh, other of their favorite uh, non-first-round selections. So there's some good ones here to uh, mention. Uh, Kyle Korver, he's uh, on the list. Uh, Carlos Boozer um, and um, – as well as uh, Nick Van Exel, who we forgot about. Uh, ben Wallace, who was undrafted, who uh, probably just didn't make our radar of list be- when we were thinking about this because, um, you know, uh, even though obviously he would be very near the top of the list of best non-first-rounders, but I-, I think he probably went with guys who were who actually were drafted as opposed to undrafted mm-hmm. guys because it's-, it's fairly rare for there to be undrafted guys who were uh, really um, on there. But uh uh, those are the major ones. I don't see a whole lot of other players that were, you know, the um, uh, the top players. Um, oh, was uh, was Jokic a first rounder or was he a second rounder? Uh, yeah, I was trying to see because somebody mentioned him and I don't really remember uh, how he. Yeah, let me. Um, uh, that one I'm gonna look, look up. That, that one, one I was curious on. So, yeah, that, that was mentioned, but I thought he was a late first. I rounder. thought so too. That's that's, uh, that's why that's I was my, a little uh, curious as well. Oh no, he was. He was 41st, 41st overall uh, in round two. So, yeah, he'll, uh, he'll be on the, I mean, if oh, he's not already he was a, on the list, yeah, he'll certainly be on the list. Bulls traded him for Go ahead. Doug McDermott, didn't they? That's, that, that's oh, yeah, that was one of the Bulls. Yeah, that's that, right. <laughs> that's why I forgot, because I wanted to forget. Okay, that makes more sense. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for checking us out. You can find us um, at the stepback at fansided.com. Uh, you can also... Uh, Search for us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you uh, listen to your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, uh, good ones that will uh, make us feel better and help us shoot up those rankings, uh, mythical or real rankings. I don't even know how that exactly works. But anyway, it would be good to do, and uh, we would appreciate it. And also, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Over and Back NBA. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back again soon.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.